Yes, God. Does anybody have some faith rising up on the inside of you this morning? So I just, I just got off sabbatical for, for six weeks and then went off to youth camp. And uh, man, such a joy to know that everything continues to run and go. You know, sometimes God doesn't need us to do everything. God just needs us to be with him, right? And so I've been with God. And I... I I've got a little bit different, something different planned for this morning. I've asked the worship team to hang out with us for a little bit, but I'm going to go ahead and start preaching. If you guys just go ahead and just sit down right there where you're at, I want to read a scripture. Just stay in this atmosphere. Psalm 107 verse one. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands and from the east and from the west and from the north, from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Has anybody ever been there before? Like hungry and thirsty. Just We're talking about just in life, just spiritually. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And this is, this is a scripture that's got me, guys. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. For he satisfies the longing soul. And the hungry soul he fills with good things. Is anybody hungry this morning? I I mean, is anybody hungry, like physically hungry? Is anybody really, like, hungry? I'm just wondering. I was thinking about as I was preparing this message, if I could just eat one meal. And I've thought about this a lot, okay? And I've thought about this way more than I should. If I could just have one meal for the rest of my life, one food, what would it be? How many of you guys have ever thought about that question before? Somebody just give me, it was just a little interactive, just have a little fun just for just a second. What, what would be your, your one thing that you would eat? Somebody just, just raise your hand. What? Chocolate? What? Steak? Pete? Okay, so for me, for me, I've, I've thought about this really long and hard, too hard. It would be a supreme pizza. It would be a supreme pizza. And it's because I've thought about this very practically because if I had to every day, I could collect different pieces of the pizza. I could separate the olives out. I could separate the meat out. I could start making myself multiple meals out of everything. I've thought about this way too hard. Okay, people. But when I, when I bring up this hot and fresh Pizza Hut pizza. Is anybody hungry this morning? Can you almost feel your mouth just starting to water just a little bit when I describe the, the, the crust, this stuffed crust, and it's got the sauce just right, and there's cheese melting underneath this right now. It's actually empty, but I'm doing a pretty decent job. <laughs> but... Have you ever been so hungry that you actually lost your appetite? You see, a year and a half ago, several of us went on a 21-day fast. No food, just water and some juice. 21 days. People ask, can you actually survive that? The answer is obviously yes. We survived. We made it through. But something strange happens, to me at least, and to several others, once you get about, I don't know, two weeks in. So we're talking about 14 or 15 days without food. The first three or four days, you're like, you feel like you're dying. The next couple days, you feel worse than dying. You know, you're just like, you, you want to, you just, that's it. You're just like, Lord, take me. Let, I've walked with you like Enoch. Let's go. You know, let's just get out of here. 
And then you get into a different zone. And something happens once you get to certain days, not all the time, certain moments where you haven't had any food for a long, long time. Something happens. There's a difference between appetite and hunger. You can actually be extremely hungry and not have an appetite. So when I was fasting for several days, I knew that I was at the core of who I was. I was definitely hungry. I mean, if you haven't ate for days, we're not talking about skipping a meal. We're talking about days. I was hungry. But something strange happened. I no longer had an appetite for food. I didn't want to eat anything. And as a guy who loves food, appetite is important. How many of you guys, how many of you guys love food, right? Appetite's important because if you don't have a desire to eat food, then the thing you love, you won't participate in. Does anybody see where I'm going here? So appetite and hunger are different things. Hunger is a physical need for food. Appetite is a desire for food. And as a person who loves food, appetite is important. Why? Because appetite drives me to the thing that I love. And without an appetite, I'm not driven towards the thing that I love. I, I, the thing that I love. I could be hungry, but I'm not driven to the thing that I love. And when you've gone for a couple weeks without food and you no longer feel like eating, it's scary. Because you know you should want to eat. You know that your body needs to eat. But all of a sudden there's no desire in you at all to eat anything. It's a scary thing. There's actually a moment of fear that comes into that moment where you're like, oh my goodness, what's happening to me? And uh, when we go through seasons where we're not eating spiritually like we should... It actually gets us to the point that even though we're starving underneath, we've lost our appetite. And listen, when you go without the right spiritual food, spiritual encounter, long enough, this sounds counterintuitive, but you can actually be starving for food and not have any desire for it. And it's scary. I believe it's easy for us to go without substantial spiritual food for so long that we just don't desire it anymore. And, and I'm the incredible part. Here's the incredible part. Most of us in this room are not aware of how hungry we actually are. Because we've lost our appetite. How do I know this? I, I know this because I've obviously been through this. And... Uh, as you know, I went on a sabbatical for six weeks. And you know, you can just keep going through life. How many of you guys know you can just keep going through life? And it's good. And many of you guys right now are in a, not, not necessarily a great place, but you're in a good place. You can be in a good place and still lose your appetite. And so I went on sabbatical seven weeks ago now. And I knew that there was something that needed to happen in me. I wasn't in a horrible place, but I knew that I, was, I, that I needed to to get back some something, but I didn't really know what it was. But I really didn't have a clue because I thought I can just keep going. I've been doing this year after year. I could just keep going. And sure enough, I surely could have. But I'm so thankful for all. Can we just give the team a big hand, all the pastors and all the people who just kept things rolling? You guys did a great job. But then I went on sabbatical and I could see it more clearly. You know, when you get detached from things for so long, you can start to see it more clearly. I, I, I didn't, I had a clue, but I didn't have a clue at the same time. And I, and I just, uh, I, I knew I, I should take the time, but it's hard to take time, isn't it, to do the thing? Isn't it ironic how hard it is to take the time to do the most important things? And so we all go through that, though. And I discovered something as, and just as I was writing in my journal and stuff that, man, I didn't realize 
how easy it is to just keep going and yet having your, the way I describe it is your wiring is off on the inside somehow at the deep places. You just don't know. Again, you're hungry, but you don't have an appetite. And so my goal on the sabbatical was to get hungry for God in a way that I could just, that was, I mean, my relationship with God would have a hunger to it. The way I describe it, and some of you guys will identify with this, I felt like I was building my life so fast, building, going so fast, that at some point you decide to start building on the foundation of your life with materials that are easy and convenient rather than substantial and important. It's quick, it's convenient, it's easy, and God started to reveal some of those things in my life, and I'm sure that, it, that there's something in all of us that way, that it has to be torn back down and start to build with things that will last because of what God has called each and every one of us to do. It requires building materials that last. And so I have one goal today, and that's this, to stir up your hunger. That's it. I don't have, that I know of, a bunch of fancy points or anything like that. I just have a goal to stir up your hunger. Because I believe this, just because it feels like you've lost your appetite, and some of you guys know what I'm talking about right now. You feel numb, you feel cold, you feel distant. Just because it feels like you've lost an appetite for the spiritual things of God, to have a firsthand encounter and a firsthand relationship with God, there's a hunger right now that's underneath all of it. At the deepest place in you right now, there's a hunger on the inside of you. And in order to do something, to have something different, we have to do something different. And so today I want to just take a moment and I want to do something different. And when I, a lot of times when God speaks to me, he'll show me things. And one of the things that he spoke and showed me about this service is people's hunger getting stirred up. And in fact, maybe before the end of this service, for some of you, so we've already seen it today, people come down to the altar I believe some of you will be at the altar seeking a fresh encounter with God. And I believe some of them, this is the phrase that God, that God gave me that I believe before the day is out, some of you will do. That you'll turn your chair into an altar. And right there where you're at, have an encounter with God. That will forever mark your life. And so what I want to do is I want us to just let faith rise up like we sang that song. Just for faith to rise up. And so we're going to sing a song. That's why I've asked the, the worship team to hang out with me. And listen, you, right now, where you're at, you can sit in your seat. You can close your eyes if you'd like. You could stand if you would like. You could turn your seat into an altar in preparation of, your, of what God's going to do in your heart if you'd like. You could come down front if you'd like. You don't have to do anything. I just want to set an atmosphere right now of expectation for our hunger to rise up again at the deep place where even though we don't feel it right now, I'm telling you, you can be so hungry that you don't have an appetite. But what we can also do is we can ask God and we say, God, you, I know this, you satisfy the longing soul and the hungry soul you fill with good things. And let's make that our prayer right now. God, we just say we're longing for you. We know, even if we don't feel it, that at the deepest part of us, we are hungry for you. And Lord, we know that you satisfy the longing soul. Lord, we know that the promise is there that the hungry soul, you fill with good things. And so right now, wherever you're at, just, just open up your heart. Even if you just say, God, I don't feel anything. God, I didn't come in expecting anything. God, I know that something's off. I don't know how to fix it. God, I've tried to do this over and over again. Just, just right now, just in this moment, just open yourself up afresh and anew to God because I know the anointing of God's spirit is here today, right now, for this moment. The atmosphere is prepared for you to have an encounter with God this morning like you've never had before. So just right now, wherever you're at, whatever God leads you to do, let's just let faith rise up in us as we worship to this song. We're just gonna flow today, if that's all right. So we'll sing this song before the day's out. You get a second chance, but a friend Norb's here. Just felt like God was, was calling on him to pray over us, pray. And so, Norb's.
God, I just pray a prayer of the Holy Spirit to fill everybody in this church, God, and that you will just show your presence to everyone in this church and that they will be filled with you and that they will fully experience what the Holy Spirit can do in their lives, God, that they can be fully changed here and now in this church, God. Everything can change for them right now if you just show yourself to them, God. You can, and it doesn't even it matter how they experience it. As long as they experience it, God, they can experience it in multiple ways. God, but everything that you can do in their lives right now can change everything, God. You think they can change the way they look at themselves, the way that they look at everyone else in this world, God, because you made everyone to love each other, and everybody needs to know that, God. They need to find out who they are in you, God, and when they find out who they are, they can find out who everyone else is, God, and that's what the Holy Spirit does, God. It can show them how you see the future and how you see everyone else in this world, God. Amen. 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 You guys can continue here. You can stand. You can still stand at the altar. Whatever you want to do, we're just going to be real loose today. So Peter and John head to a prayer meeting. And as they're going to a prayer meeting, there's a guy there who's lame. He's a beggar. He's been there. Scripture tells us he's 40 years old. I'm 40 years old. He's been there not being able to walk from my perspective as long as I've ever known. And he begs for something, and Peter and John don't give him what he wants, but gives him something far better gives him something he needs he's instantly healed he steps up he's, there, he's walking, leaping praising God gets a miracle how you guys believe a miracle can happen a miracle can happen now something funny though this miracle upset the religious people Acts chapter 4, verse 1, and as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple, you know it's a problem when you got to have the title of captain of the temple. I'm the captain of the temple. The captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead and arrested them and put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening, but many of those who had heard the word and believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. That's a pretty fruitful Sunday, if that was a Sunday. But see, the miracle upset the religious people. Miracles upset religious people. (laughs) See, it's not the unsaved people who were annoyed. It was the quote-unquote spiritually mature people who were upset at the supernatural happening in their midst. And I don't know where you're at today on that spectrum, but just reading a story like this, you have to really come to terms with where you're at. Like, am I annoyed if I were to see a miracle happen or see something supernatural or something out of the box? Would I be like, oh, I'm too mature for that? See, appetite, when I talk about appetite, appetite can, e- can go either way. But one thing's true, appetite drives you to the thing you love. For the religious people, their appetite drove them to more religion. But Peter and John had an appetite for a firsthand encounter with God and it drove them to miracles, it drove them to Jesus, it drove them to salvations because of where their appetite was. So Acts chapter four, verse 13, it says, the, the, the religious people, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized, and this is the famous little passage, that they had what? Somebody say it. They've been with Jesus. It was evident that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition because when a real, when God really shows up, it's hard to talk bad about that in a way that has any substance because something actually happened. And, and, and says, but they, when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what should we do with these men? 
for a notable sign has been performed through them. It's evident that all to all the people in Jerusalem here, we can't just say it didn't happen, but in order that it may spread no further among the people. So again, listen to the religious people. They're trying to contain the supernatural. They're trying to contain God. We're not talking about crazy stuff that's unbiblical. We're talking about God's power, healing people, delivering people, all the scriptural stuff. They figure, Let, let's contain this thing. And so they called them and charged them not to speak and teach at all in the name of Jesus. But then listen to Peter and John. They answered them. They said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, than God you must judge. For we cannot but speak. And this is the phrase that, that has been sticking with me for quite some time. Of what we have seen and heard. Can we say that together? Seen and heard. What we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years. So he was a little older than me, I guess. These things we have seen and heard. First John chapter 1 first couple verses there talks about we cannot help but just share of the things these things we have seen and heard we have seen and heard seen and heard that phrase just continually keeps coming up in me these things that we have seen and the things that we have heard and and as I've been meditating on that I'm afraid and this is what God dropped in my spirit that I'm afraid that we are allowing ourselves to have a surrogate relationship with God. Surrogate means to put in place of another. It's a substitute, a replacement for another in a specific role or office. Back in ancient Israel, that's what the Israelites wanted Moses to become, a surrogate in place. So they didn't talk to God directly. They heard what Moses heard. And then they had they encountered God through Moses. And let me give you another example of a surrogate. How many guys have how many guys have a bubble around your personal space? Anybody had a bubble? Like, let me put it this way: How many of you guys are huggers? Let's see all the huggers raise their hands, bold and brave. How many of you guys have like a radius around you that if it's all right, some of you guys, yeah, you're really uncomfortable right now because it's first service and you're sitting close to somebody, right? You prefer at least a chair in between, right? So I'm, I'm like one of those bubble people, and yet on Sundays, I give out a lot of hugs. It's the grace of God that comes upon me for such a day. It's the Spirit of the Lord. It's kind of like the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would ride, you know, rest upon you. It just happens to me. So a few weeks ago, so some of you guys know, I think Kim, there's Kim May back there. Kim, would you say you're a hugger, Kim? He's kind of a hugger. He's, he's a hugger. Uh, and uh, so I said to him, I said, Kim, I'm just going to make you my surrogate hugger. So when everybody, anybody needs a hug from somebody, they can just come and hug you and it'll be as if they hugged me, you know? <laughs> Doesn't really work that way though, does it? And yet with God, we, I'm afraid that we've allowed ourselves to do this. And here's what I mean. And Pastor Aaron talked on it last week too. But we allow a sermon. And listen, sermons are good. The sermons are biblical. We allow a podcast, we allow a book, we allow a preacher, we allow someone else's story to become the way we encounter God or the totality of our encounter with God. And we get in such a habit of only hearing God through someone or something. We might as well go back to ancient Israel and get ourselves a Moses. Because that's how we're functioning. I want you to think, I'm gonna say something that you have to hear me right, okay? So, so don't just tweet this out and misquote me or something. I want you to think about this. Even reading our Bibles, we need to read our Bibles. Our Bibles, uh, it's, it's the authority, it's the word of God, all these things. I mean, hear me clearly. But I want you to understand something. Abraham didn't have a Bible. He didn't even have the Torah. And yet he was, he's called the father of faith. How did he encounter God? 
How did he hear from God? He didn't have a podcast. No one was writing books. There was no blogs out there. He didn't even have a Bible. And what I'm saying, all those things are fine as a supplement. In fact, the, the gifts that Jesus gave in Ephesians chapter 4 of pastors and apostles and all that speaking into our life, all of that is necessary for our walk with God. Scriptures are necessary, no doubt, for our walk with God. But if you don't ever have a moment in your life that you can say, I encountered God without it being through one of those other things, then you've had just secondhand encounters with God. And they're wonderful and they're good and that's fine and you need to have them and that needs to be a foundation. Yes, absolutely. But what I'm talking about today is if we never have a firsthand relationship or a firsthand encounter, then we can't say to someone else, these things I have seen and heard. God wants to encounter you in such a way that you can go to someone else and say, these things I have seen and heard. Not these things they saw and heard, but these things I have seen and heard, and now I deliver to you. See, we encounter God so we can deliver to someone else. We encounter God so that we can deliver. I'm at my best. I'm at my best when I've seen and heard something from God and I deliver that to someone else. I'm at my, I reach my full potential when I deliver what I've seen and heard from God. I, I believe that we have not encountered God to such a degree that we, most of us don't have the authority, walking with the authority. We know we should have it, but it's because we're walking in someone else's anointing instead of the authority that God wants to deposit directly in you. These things we have seen and heard. And if we don't have a firsthand encounter with God, we have nothing to deliver. Yes, we can be used by God. Yes, we can participate with what God is doing. But can I just tell you that if all you do is have a secondhand relationship with God, here's what happens. For so long, you'll have been without an encounter for so long that you eventually lose your appetite. But I'm telling you, underneath it all, there's a hunger. And if we could just stir up that hunger on the inside of us, if there was a way that we could stir up that hunger. So let me just share some of my story at the risk of sounding crazy. Is that all right? Some of you guys might not come back after this. That's all right. As I've said before, we need your seat because there's a lot of people we need to get in here. <laughs> We're recording this service, so uh, it's just going online. So as part of my sabbatical, I went to Montana for nine days. Somebody say praise the Lord. That was good. First time I've ever been. And it's, but I went by myself, road tripped it up two days there, two days back, spent a total of nine days by myself. I say by myself because solitude is not by yourself, it's you and God. Took a Bible and a journal. And I went hiking several times as I was by myself. And, and uh, no, no social media. I took, I, I had a, I, shut off my other phone and, and had what I called my bat phone. It was my sabbatical phone. And it was something that only a few people had the number. No news, no, none of that stuff, no television, no Netflix, no, no other books of any, I mean, just, just nine days hiking, spending time with God. And uh, I have a crazy story to share with you about a firsthand encounter with God that I had. See, sometimes God will do something in you and for you just because he wants to. And so at the risk of sounding crazy today, some of you guys, your spirit will leap up and some of you guys will be like, what? Here's my story. So I've been in Montana for a few days at this point and I decided, I mean, I've been hiking several times and I decided that I was gonna to go to this place on this particular day called Madison Buffalo Jump. 
And Madison Buffalo Jump is this bluff. It's like this, this rocky cliff that kind of comes up out of the ground. And in pre-1700s, before the Indians had horses and hunted a little bit different, they would use something like this. Actually, they would use this as a hunting tool. And some lucky guy would draw the short straw and he would have to put on some sort of animal skin and he would have to get up on top of the bluff and catch the eye of this buffalo herd, the lead buffalo, and start running as fast as he could towards the cliff's edge. And all of the buffalo would start chasing after this dude and he would run towards the cliff and he would jump off the cliff to a previously decided safe spot and all of the other, all the buffalo couldn't stop. And so they would end up falling off the cliff to their death. And the ones who didn't die, they would finish off there at the bottom. And, and all of the women would be all ready down there below. They would have all of the stuff ready to butcher all of the animal and, and they'd be saved for another winter. In fact, they'd have a big party that evening to celebrate that they were gonna make it through another winter. It's a fascinating story. It's a fascinating place. And so I showed up at this place and, I, and I'm there at the bottom looking up at this bluff just kind of in awe of the history and all of this, the stuff that goes along with it. But, but if you know me, being at the bottom was not enough. And so I decided I got to get up to the top and I got to see where the buffalo jumped off. And so I followed this lonely trail up to the top. I made my way all the way up to the top of this bluff and I began to look out. And as I looked out, it was the most, I mean, it was one of the most beautiful views I've ever seen. I mean, 360 mountains everywhere. I'm all alone. There's no one there at the top of this thing. There's no one there as far as the eye can see. And so I decided I'm going to take a chance there, that I might just have an encounter with God, that I might just hear God speak in some way. I mean, I've put myself in this position to do this and I've been going for days and, and there's a thunderstorm off in the distance. I know I can't stay long. I don't want to get struck by lightning. I don't want to become a statistic. And so I know I've just got this window. And so I begin to pray. I begin to just worship God. I mean, no one else is there. I begin to just worship God. Finally, I get down on my knees and I begin to pray. I get down on my face and I just lay in the dirt and I'm just crying out to God. I'm just praying in the spirit. Finally, after a little bit, I get up because, you know, sometimes you feel that way, like you're just making something happen. And I just felt like I was numb still. I felt like I was just trying to make something happen. And finally, I just spoke out to God. I just cried out to God. You know, God doesn't care if you're honest with Him. And I just cried out to God and I said, God, I feel like I've done everything I can do to put myself in a position to encounter you. I've done everything I can do. If you want something to happen in me, you're just gonna have to do it. And I think when I finally came to the end of me, <laughs> that's when God can start to add Him into there. And so. But I knew I had to get off. I was done. I had to get off before this rainstorm. And so I started to make my way back towards the path that went down. And, and as I began to go back there, I began to continue to pray. I continued to worship. I continued to pray, you know, to pray and to cry out for, the, for breakthrough, for anointing. And uh, as I did that, the Holy Spirit just quickened in me that verse that says the kingdom of God is within you. And instantly, and this is where it gets interesting, because instantly I saw inside of myself. And I began to get swallowed up in this vision. And I, I began to just be drawn. I, the way I describe it is it was so slow and so fast at the same time. And I become captivated. And what I saw was this fear on the inside of me. It was like this blackened, hardened, chiseled, lava-like, planet-like sphere on the inside of me, just hovering there. And as I begin to watch this, I'm, like, I'm caught up in this, nothing else. I, I'm not aware of anything else at this point. And I'm caught up in this and I begin to watch this. All of a sudden cracks begin to emerge in this sphere. And immense light begins to shine through. And of course I knew what it was. It was the kingdom of God just breaking through. And immense light. And then all of a sudden without warning to me, this sphere just explodes on the inside. And as it explodes, I just yell out, yes, God, just uncontrollably. And at the same time that this thing explodes, I black out. I mean, I physically, this wasn't just like a vision thing. I physically just black out because of the concussion of this kingdom atom bomb going off on the inside of me. And 
as I come to, I begin to just feel waves of the presence of God. It starts from the epicenter. It begins to work its way towards my head and towards my arms. It begins to eventually go towards my feet. And it begins to just continue to wash over me as, you know, kind of like a, a ripple of water. Eventually will lose inertia, but it, it just kept going until finally subsided. And so I'm just standing there. As you can imagine, in this encounter with God, just in the presence of God, just drinking this up. And it's, I finally begin to come out of this. And, and the way I describe it is kind of like when you take your sunglasses off after you've had them on for a while and all the colors start to return to normal. And I just sat there drinking up the presence of God. And as I did, all of a sudden, this other thought came into my mind. It was the rain. I don't want to be struck by lightning. And I've got to get off of this thing. And so I began to look for my path down. And my path, where it should be, it was just gone. It wasn't there. And I began to look. And finally, after some time of, of looking, I found not the path that was wide and well used. I saw this little path that had just the grass just barely pushed down on it. And I'm like, I don't care, I'm gonna follow this thing. It looked like it was going in the right direction. So I follow this thing. It looked like it had been used by a guy who was lost like me or some Indian in the 1700s before me. And I start to follow this thing. And finally, after several minutes, I encounter the original path that I should have been at all along. And listen, I'm not gonna to try to convince anybody. I'm not gonna to try to explain this. Here's what I know. Somehow, instantaneously, from my perspective, I traveled a half mile in an instant. I went from where I knew I was to waking up and being at this other spot instantaneously. And, and I, I mean, it was like, why would God do that? God began to show me some things later about the well-known path versus the ancient path and the scripture out of Jeremiah chapter six that I'm not gonna go into now. All I know is the only thing that happened in that was the blackout, was that encounter with God. Somehow, I, I don't know how to explain all of what happened to me, but all I know is this, I had an encounter with God that has forever marked my life. We've gotta get hungry for encountering God. We've gotta get hungry for those type of encounters again. We've gotta be hungry for the supernatural. We have to be hunger, have a hunger for the kingdom of God, have our appetite rise back up in us to have the kingdom of God on the inside, just exploding on the inside of us. Sounds crazy, right? So then last week when Pastor Aaron preached and he pulls out this scripture out of the Passion Translation, do you guys remember this, Matthew eleven twelve, From the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth and passionate people have taken hold of its power. Is there anybody here who wants the kingdom of God just to break free on the inside? Every part on the inside that's darkened just filled up and flooded with the light of God. Nothing can replace a first-hand encounter or relationship with God. Nothing. These things I have seen and heard. And I have several more stories that I don't have time to share today. But I pass them on to you as a point of faith, not so that you can use my story, but so that you can have faith to see and hear yourself. So uh, I don't even know what time it is. Oh, I'm going to have to hurry up. Or we can just make them wait. Um, so uh, that's the benefit of being first service. So... One of the other hikes that I went on, it was, uh, I had to drive a half an hour to this little town, and at the end of the town, it turned into a dirt road with boulders on it and all kinds of stuff, and I had a rental vehicle, so I didn't care, and uh, <laughs> so I had to drive 14 miles into the wild at 15 miles an hour just to get to the trailhead to start hiking. Now... You don't really have a reference point for that because most of us haven't done that. But 14 miles, it took me almost an hour driving on a road. No signs, no electricity, only cattle guards and cattle. 
That's it. And for miles and miles, for about an hour, it took me to drive to the trailhead. I get to the trailhead, and no one else is there. So then I hike several miles into the wilderness after that. How you guys would think I'm pretty alone at that point, right? I mean, there's no one around. In fact, before I left, I'll just be real and honest, before I left for Montana for nine days, I had this kind of panicky fear come over me. This, the, the way I describe it, it's like this, this fear of future loneliness. Because I've been by myself before, I've, done, I've been away from my family before, but never in that context, never for that long. And I kind of could almost feel what it would feel like in the future being completely separated for days by myself. And as I got out into the wilderness, I mean, by myself, I tried to text Becca to let somebody on the planet know where I was at, but the text would not go through. So no one on the planet even knows where I'm at, and no one is around for miles. I'm, I, I'm sufficiently alone. And I went all the way back into this waterfall, and I started to come back, and I had that feeling. If I'm ever going to feel that panicky, alone feeling, now would be the time. And in that moment, I didn't feel that. I didn't feel isolation. In fact, God spoke to me and, and he said, you know, there's a difference. And somebody, this might be here for somebody today. There's a difference between alone and lonely. I was alone in one sense, but I wasn't lonely. Because why? Because God was with me. His presence filled in the gap. Some of you feel lone, like lonely right now. I want you to know that God, just because you're alone doesn't mean you have to feel loneliness. Because God can fill in the gaps. And as I didn't see anybody for miles except for I started to go back and make my way back on the way back. And finally, I encountered some people. I encountered a, a person who said, uh, is it almost like how far is the falls? And I, and I had just been. I mean, I was the only one that had been there. And I, and I said, oh, and I tried to give them about how far it was. And, and they said, am I on the right trail? And I was like, yes, you're on the right trail. I, saw, I thought the same thing, too. And, and so then before long, I encountered an older couple. And the, the questions were all the same. Like, how much further? Am I on the right trail? And to each and every one of them, I would say, yeah, okay, here's about how far you got to go. Uh, you know, you got a little bit further. But, yes, you are on the right trail. I encountered a younger couple. I encountered, And this happened multiple times. People were starting to come. And all of a sudden, God shared something with me. And he said, only when you've been where no one else is going can you be their guide. You see, because I had went out by myself before anyone else. I had braved the unknown. I had walked the trail. I had braved the potential loneliness. Just like... I had all those same questions. Am I on the right trail? How far? And so when I was coming back, I shared with each one of them. They took it as gospel. They knew. Why would they question? I had been out there and back. Can I just say this morning that God wants some of us to go to places where no one else has ever been so that we can point the way? How many guys would like to go somewhere maybe that, that you know that your family needs to be led into? Listen, you're going to have to go first. You're going to have to go first. You're going to have to go. And this, this thing just started to well up in me. God, I want to go to the deeper places. God, I want to go to deeper places with you. God, I've got a hunger on the inside of me. I want to go to deeper places with you. Does anybody have a hunger this morning? You want to go to a deeper place in God. So, so I'm going to do something else that's going to be really uncomfortable, maybe for everybody, but especially for me. Because as I was out there and I was reading Psalm 107 and as I was, I was out there experiencing all these things, God began to give me a song and I began to write a song. And so one day I just took my phone and took my guitar and just began to worship to this song that I wrote. And as I was preparing this message, God said, I just want you to play them the recording of it. I was like, well, God, that was just like, that was kind of like us, you know, that was like, you know, I'm like off key. It's like speed up and down. I messed up on the guitar. I could re-record that, God. It would sound a whole lot better. And I felt like God just say, just play it. It's raw. It's real. It is what it is. And so I just want to share that with you. And it's just me and a guitar. We'll put the words up on the screen just so you can see. And I just play it just as a point of faith for somebody here that maybe there's something that's going to light up on the inside of you just to hunger to go to a deeper place in God. So let's roll.
Amen. See, that's not born out of a surrogate relationship with God. That's just born when you just, (laughs) you can hear a story in there, right? God wants to create a story in you. And so what I want to do as we are going into OT is I want to pray this promise over you by faith. And it's the one we've already read, Psalm chapter 107, verse 9. And then we're going to conclude with that that song that we, we already sang at one point. And again, I invite you to turn your chair into an altar. I invite you to come down to the altar. I invite you to do whatever the Lord leads and just, just open the door. Just stir up the hunger. So right now, just bow your heads, close your eyes. If you just for a moment, I'm just going to speak this out over to you. And this is a scripture that I want you to receive as a promise. And I might, I might pray it a couple times. For he satisfies the longing soul. And the hungry soul he fills with good things. For he satisfies the longing soul. And the hungry soul he fills with good things. Lord, we know there are many people in here today that might be just feeling that numbness, feeling that I'm so hungry I've lost my appetite. Lord, I know that the hungry soul you fill with good things. And so right now, by faith, I speak that you would start something in each and every person here by your spirit. Let the kingdom of God explode on the inside of every single person here. Lord, we want to be a, a, a people who walk around not just in talk, but in power. And so, Lord, we just speak that out right now in the name of Jesus. We speak that over us in the name of Jesus. Amen.